Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Dan and Joe Sports Show. As always, I'm Dan. Yeah, I'm Joe. All right, Joe, uh, we had a really great March Madness. Uh, the ending to it, not uh, what you and I wanted, and I'm sure not what a lot of fans wanted, but made me so excited for next year's college basketball season, everything that we had going on in March Madness. I figure we need to join the fray, Joe, and give our top 25 way too early picks. And, you know, starting off, we had a team that had really just an excellent season. Uh, were undefeated for every single game until the very end. And, unfortunately, they played a Baylor team that was clicking on all cylinders, playing their best basketball in the tournament. And they were fresh off of a, an overtime thriller against uh, UCLA, who, of course, just – played out of their minds the entire tournament and in that game. And Jalen Suggs had to make the shot of a lifetime to, to beat him. And Gonzaga just, you know, didn't have it in that championship game and got beat by a better, uh, more senior-laden Baylor team. But going going on that same vein, Gonzaga has a lot coming back. And i uh, got to say they're my number one for next year coming in preseason. Yeah, I think it rightfully so, Dan. It all kind of is predicated on whether or not Drew Timmy returns. If he returns, I think that they absolutely will win the national championship next year with the recruiting class they have coming in. Even if he doesn't return, I mean, they probably should be the preseason number one team. You look at Timmy potentially coming back. You look at Andrew Nimhard. You look at Joel Ayayi, you know, both future NBA players. You look at some of the guys they'll have coming off the bench that will be starters next year, like um, Julian Strother, like Omar Ballo will get more playing time. The uh, recruiting class with Hunter Salas coming in as a five-star recruit, and they're also one of the favorites for the number one prospect in the country, Chet Holmgren, who is actually uh, a former high school teammate of Jalen Suggs. They went to the same high school in Minnesota, so that's the connection there. So if they get all those guys and probably don't be surprised that they bring in another graduate transfer like they tend to do, Gonzaga will be in great shape next year and may actually be better next year than they were this year, which is scary. And I think largely because they'll have more size than they did this year. Well, that's what I think too, Joe. If you can get Chet Holmgren in there and make uh, – you have a front court with – Holmgren and Timmy down low, that's going to be a massive advantage they're going to have on the inside for pretty much any team they play. And I felt like that was something that, you know, they did pretty well played inside until the very end when Baylor out-rebounded them and really out-toughed them on the inside. But if you gave them another weapon like Holmgren, maybe they could have even beaten that Baylor team. I think so, too. One other quick thing I did want to mention related to Baylor and Gonzaga that I forgot to mention last week. I was looking back just out of curiosity at some of the recent tournament runs by Gonzaga today, and apparently they played Baylor two years ago in the second round of the NCAA tournament and beat them pretty easily. And I completely forgotten that, and I don't remember any of the analysts talking about that. So I, I thought that was interesting that they had that recent history in the tournament. Yeah, I, I totally forgot about that too. Um, Joe, the number two team that I have is someone that really did a good job in the regular season. Uh, when it came down to the tournament time, they were from the best conference, allegedly, allegedly the greatest conference ever in college basketball, and they were the only one that made it to the Elite Eight. 
And, of course, they had National Coach of the Year and Jawan Howard. I'm talking about the Michigan Wolverines. Uh, they're a team that's bringing a lot back, a lot of motivation uh, that's coming in. But, you know, the big thing with what they're doing is what I talked about is Jawan Howard's recruiting prowess. They're bringing in the number one recruiting class in America. And he's got a great uh, formula that he can sell that he was a member of the Fab Five, and he's doing it right now with his recruiting, bringing in a top ten recruit in Caleb Houston. And then there's also uh, – they're also going to bring back Hunter Dickinson. So they're also going to have a lot of size on that team too. Yeah, I mean, there's also a chance, you know, that Wagner may come back for another year. Hunter Dickinson is probably going to go to the draft. I mean, if he were to come back – I mean, that's kind of like a Timmy effect at Gonzaga. That just be an embarrassment of riches for Michigan. But even without Dickinson returning, I mean, like you said, you look at the recruiting prowess of um, uh, Howard at, uh, at Michigan, and, I mean, it, it really looks like the sky is the limit, the limit for the uh, trajectory of this program right now. That's right, Joe. And speaking of young talent, our number three team that we have is one that Used to be all about having your players like Christian Leitner that were there for four years and Grant Hill that were your great superstars that stuck around until graduation. And Mike Krzyzewski's model has switched over to more the Calipari model where he's bringing in a lot of ones and duns and having a lot of talent that way. Uh, this year they've got a big-time recruiting class, uh, the number three recruit in America in Paulo Banchero and the number seven one in A.J. Griffin. Probably guys are going to be lottery picks at some point. And, you know, Duke is bringing back some of the guys uh, from last season, which, you know, it'd be interesting to see whether they even start based on what happened last year. But you got to think that after what happened to Duke this year, didn't even make the tournament, uh, probably going to be a big season for Coach K coming back. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. There's going to be a lot of pressure on Duke to have a better season. I mean, don't get me wrong, I don't feel like there's any pressure on Coach K specifically, but I think pressure on the program to bounce back. I mean, it was embarrassing for them to miss the NCAA tournament for the first time since, what, like 1995 or 1996? And then you had one of their best players just kind of surprisingly opt out of the season. And so you kind of felt like something's going on behind the scenes. Who knows? And there's more going on because uh, one of their better players, uh, uh, Jamin uh, Brakefield, entered the transfer portal. He's actually rumored to be looking at Ole Miss, which would be fascinating to have a Duke transfer go to Ole Miss. But I'll say this, Dan. I know it's Duke, but I'm not really buying them being a number three team going into next year. I think that's way too high based on um, the lackluster season they had. Yeah, I think so, too. I think that's a little bit of the Duke hype that you get, uh, you know, pretty much over time. Kind of going off what we're seeing on SI.com right now. Uh, but, yeah, that would be definitely one that I would disagree with, too, based on, you know, what was really just a terrible season last year. Uh, Joe, at number four, they got Ohio State. He was a team who, you know, was a number one seed for most of last season. They kind of fell apart at the end of the year. And, of course, it really went bad in the first round. They lost to Oral Roberts as a number two seed. Um, but, Joe, they got a lot of guys coming back. Uh, E.J. Little, one of their great big men, is coming back. And then, of course, uh, Dwayne Washington Jr. is coming back. And they're bringing in uh, big-time recruit in Malachi Branham. Uh, so, you got to think that Ohio State is going to have a good chance to have another big-time season. Maybe they can make up for what they had uh, 
their, their early tournament exit last year. Oh, yeah, I think Ohio State would be fine. I really don't have much of an issue with this um, ranking heading into the season. You talk about the players they have coming back, like um, Wayne Washington and company. When you look back at Oral Roberts, I mean, they gave Arkansas everything they wanted in that uh, Sweet 16 matchup, easily could have beaten them, had a chance to win at the end of that game. And they had some players on that team that were really big time. I mean, they had a couple of scores that really lit up March Madness. So I really think it was a product of Ohio State just getting a bad draw against a team that was hot. And I think a lot of teams would have lost to that Oral Roberts team in the first round. Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, Oral Roberts had the best uh, player in America in terms of scoring in Asmus. And, you know, and and Max Asmus really just got on in that tournament. And that's why, I mean, Oral Roberts had a chance to make the Elite Eight if they had beaten Arkansas. They were pretty close to doing it. So, definitely a really great 15 seed. Uh, Joe, the number five team, this is one that I think I would have put a little bit earlier uh, they got UCLA at number five. I mean, you look at what they did, the toughness they played at for Mick Cronin this year, everything they're bringing back with bringing back, uh, you know, Hami Haquez, bringing back uh, Tiger Campbell, uh, possibly Johnny Juzang. I would think Juzang's going to go into the draft, but there's a chance that he could return too. And, Joe, if they returned all three of those guys, shoot, I'd probably put them at number two. Oh, yeah, I've seen some other lists that had them at number two. Yeah, I would definitely – I'm just baffled the fact that they're behind Duke after they made it to the Final Four because you got to think that it's still early enough in the recruiting season. I mean, basketball recruiting, you sometimes see players sign in you know, April and early May. So there's time for Mick Cronin to even get some more recruits to bolster his class after that big run. So, yeah, I think that UCLA is worthy of a higher ranking. Yeah, definitely. Like I said, I, I like UCLA. Even if they returned Hawkeyes and returned Tiger Campbell, I'd still probably put them at number two. Um, Joe, at number six, we got another team in here, and I don't have a problem with this ranking either. Another one of the final four teams, and that's Houston. Uh, really great team under Kelvin Sampson last year. Old school play style. I mean, it's all defense and it's all rebounding. They couldn't shoot. They couldn't hit a barn, you know, with a basketball. They were so bad at shooting. But they were so great at rebounding. They played such tough defense, they made up for it. Uh, you know, you gotta you gotta wonder with Kelvin Sampson if he can just get a couple shooters, that would make such a big deal. I know they're gonna bring in a graduate transfer from UConn and Josh Char- and Josh Carlton, who maybe can give him a little bit. It's gonna give him some help on the inside. The, the biggest problem that I see with them is gonna be the shooters. They're losing the, some of their best scorers in uh, Grimes, Sasser, uh, and Giroux. They're actually they're losing Drove. They're bringing back Grimes and Sasser. But the problem is, if they can't get a next-level outside shooter, then I think they'll still have a deep run. They can't really be a championship team. For me, it, it all kind of rests on whether Grimes for sure returns because there is some speculation that he could test the pro waters. And so if they lose him, to me, all bets are off on them having a chance to make another deep tournament run. And then the other player to pay attention to, as you referenced, Josh Carlton. It's been important for uh, Houston under Sampson to hit home runs in the transfer portal because just for whatever reason, they're not able to normally recruit four- and five-star guys out of high school. They need the transfer market to get a player like Grimes. And so I think that they're going to have to make a splash with uh, 
Carlton making a big impact. Yeah, and I think that the, the problem that Houston's having is just not being in the big conference. And, you know, I don't know why the Big 12 hasn't added Houston. I mean, to me, that seems like such a logical pickup for them right now when they're the Big 12 with 10 teams. When Houston is such a name brand who's good at so many sports. I mean, they're great at basketball. They're good at football. They're good at baseball. I mean, they're really just good at everything. So, to me, I, I would say they're a lot better than a lot of the teams that are already in the Big 12 in terms of their overall athletic program. Um, and that's the one thing I think that holds Houston back and going out and getting a top 10 recruiting class every year with Samson. Yeah, I think you're right. It has everything to do with the conference tie-in. Uh, speaking of the conference that they should be in, Joe, uh, we got number seven, we got Baylor. I, I, this is one that I think is a little too hot, too. I understand Baylor, they just won the national championship. They had a great team, but they are losing everybody, though. I mean, it was all seniors. That's how they were able to do it. I mean, the defense of Davion Mitchell, uh, what you had with Jared Butler at the guard play, another senior. Uh, then you had, what, like eighth-year senior and vital on the inside, just doing his Charles Barkley impression. And they're losing all these guys. And I understand that, you know, they're recruiting pretty well now. They're going to get a recruit uh, recruiting boots on what they did. But I just don't really – I don't see them being that – being a top 10 team this year. I still think they're probably a top 15, top 20 team. But I don't see them at seven. Yeah, when they won the national championship, you know, everybody was talking more about what Gonzaga had coming back next year than whether or not Baylor would ever be back there again anytime soon. I think that's kind of this narrative. I mean, Baylor made their run. They capitalized, you know, on the team that they had this year. So give them props for that. But it kind of you kind of feel like they will take a little bit of a step back next year. That's right, Jay. Uh, moving on, the number eight team that they had on, on SI, uh, Purdue. Uh, this one, I mean, Matt Painter's done a really good job at building a consistent program there. Uh, last year, Purdue was one of those vaunted Big Ten teams who was supposed to make a deep run in the tournament, and they went out in, what, the first round, so that was kind of a disappointing exit for Purdue. Um, you know, you got a couple uh, high-level in-state recruits adding in, Trey Kaufman and Caleb First. Um, and they also bring back a, a great freshman they had last year in guard, Jaden Ivey. Um, what about this one? I, this one seems a little high to me, too. I, I kind of like look at Purdue as maybe a 12 to 15 range team. I don't know if I would put them in number eight. Well, the issue I have with Purdue is that when you expect them to advance far in the tournament, they usually get upset. Like this year, some people were picking them to upset Baylor in the second round or the Sweet 16 and advanced far because Purdue had a lot of size. And a lot of people, including myself, thought that size would bother Baylor. But Purdue lost in the first round, embarrassingly. And then it's like when you don't have expectations for them, they tend to surprise you and make a run to like the Sweet 16 or the Elite Eight like they did a couple of years ago against Virginia. And so, yeah, I'm with you on this. I'm not buying into high expectations for Purdue based on the track record that they usually underwhelm in those situations. Yeah. You call on that. Uh, Joe, at number nine, this is one that I actually think is a little bit underrated. Uh, you know, of course, we had friend of the show, Hunter, on to talk all about Crimson Tide basketball. Uh, you know, they were a team that uh, they probably should have beaten UCLA. Problem is, you can't make free throws. You don't win games. You can ask John Calipari about that when he was the coach at Memphis. He should have won a national championship with them, but they couldn't make a free throw against uh, Kansas, and that's why Bill Self has a national championship. 
and this is the reason that Alabama didn't get to go and take on, uh, you know, take on Alabama, take on uh, Gonzaga possibly in the Final Four. I think Alabama would have had a great chance against Michigan too. But you look at Alabama, the question that you have with them is who's coming back because technically. You got some guys that have been seniors, but they could come back. And, you know, you got to think that John Petty's probably going to go. Uh, I think Herb's, Herb Jones is definitely going to go. But it's possible that with that, uh, you know, the one free year that everyone gets last year, if they don't get great draft grades, those are guys that are seniors. They, they're going to they're gonna graduate from Alabama. They're Alabama through and through. Maybe you get one of them back. Um, or you could maybe get somebody like an Alex Reese back. But even if you don't have that, uh, Jadon Shackelford, really great player as a sophomore, a lot of talent. Uh, I really think, you know, the the, the biggest one that, that I think of is that's going to be a star is Josh Primo. That's a guy who's got so much energy when he gets on the floor, can kind of do everything and take over games when, he, when he's at his best. And I really like what Nate Oates has. I think, Joe, I would put this Bama team, I would consider putting them as a top five team. Well, next season is going to be a big test for Nato's because, you know, he was able to win with some players this year that, you know, while you give all the credit to him for the coaching job, he did have a lot of guys that were holdovers from Avery Johnson's recruiting. So now, you know, there's the test. Can you continue to build this program with consistency at a football school? And I'm interested to see what happens. I do think as we were talking about, before the show, Bruce Pearl has a lot of momentum now at Auburn, getting Walker Kessler and now being able to kind of more consistently bring in five star recruits in state. So that, that's going to be interesting to see how Alabama does going forward under NATO's. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I think one of the biggest things he, he's doing, maybe it, having him be a sixth man instead of a starter helped him out, but getting Javon Quinterly back, I think is going to be big for next season because, man, he played incredible during March. And he was the guy that you and I talked about going into the season, how big of a deal it was getting him out there on the court. So I think this is going to be a good Alabama team next year. And they also bring in the number one in-state recruit in uh, J.D. Davidson, who's a five-star from Alabama, who's going to be a big deal uh, on the inside for him. So we'll see what he can do. I think you're right. The consistency over time is a question. But I think he's still going to have a good team. And like I said, I, would, I think of them as a top-five team going into next season. Well, I'll say this. I mean, nobody in the SEC has anything really coming back that you're like blows you away. So you do, I definitely have to give Alabama the edge. Uh, Joe, the next one is a team that I, I like where they're at. Uh, you know, I think number 10 is a really good spot for what Leonard Hamilton brings back in Florida State next year. Uh, Florida State, they're a team that, frankly, I had in the Final Four this year. I thought that this was time for Leonard Hamilton to be able to make that next step. I thought that his Michigan team, I thought those Florida State team would uh, would beat Michigan. And personally, I thought that it was going to be, I think, uh, I think it was going to be Alabama is who I had them playing at that point. I thought they were going to beat Alabama and go to the Final Four. Uh, but I think so much of Leonard Hamilton, uh, you know, he brings back, um, he, he brings back some, some big-time recruits. He loses Polite, which is a big deal. That was a great player. But it uh, brings in some top 30 recruits and Matthew Cleveland and Jalen Worley. Uh, I think they're a team that is going to consistently be at the very bottom range of the top 10 year in, year out. So I think this is a good spot to have Leonard Hamilton's bunch up. Yeah, he's definitely built that 
program this consistent. They're just missing that final four run on his resume. But an interesting uh, tidbit, um, one of the pastors in my church um, was saying this past week, I did not know that he actually played high school basketball for uh, Leonard Hamilton's associate head coach, Stan Jones, in the state of Mississippi. So I thought that was kind of cool. But definitely, to all your points about Florida State, I think they're right where they belong. Uh, Joe, the next one is one that uh, probably a pretty good spot for them, but they're one that could always jump up a little bit because you know how much talent they have coming in. You wonder if this new lifetime contract for Bill Self is going to motivate him to where Kansas goes to the next level or if he just becomes a little bit complacent and they go the other way. I'm interested to see how that works out. Uh, Kansas at number 11. Um, you got to say, Joe, that was a disappointing season for Kansas basketball last year. Uh, they made a little bit of an improvement at the end of the year. Had me thinking that maybe they can make a run after they beat Baylor and you know came back and had a good end of the season. But then, of course, they go out and uh, they have some COVID issues and they lose in what the second round. I mean, that was that was a really disappointing performance by Kansas in the tournament. It really was. It's the second tournament in a row that they've just been absolutely blitzed in the second round. You know, Auburn got them two years ago this year. Um, I think it was uh, who beat them. Remember who beat them in the tournament? Oh, it was a uh, USC. Yeah. USC beat them. Uh, USC beat them. 51. They killed them. Like yeah. eighty-five to fifty-one, absolutely annihilated them. And uh, yeah, I mean, you do have David McCormick coming back. He's one of their big contributors. But I think the pressure is on Bill Self. You know, I talked about the pressure being on Duke as a program. I feel like at Kansas, there's a lot of pressure on Bill Self. Joe, why do you think they opted to give him a lifetime contract? I mean, in my mind, is Bill Self done at a place like Kansas something that warrants anything close to that? I mean, I don't even know that he was in line to get a get an extension based on what he was doing, much less a lifetime contract. That was weird to me. Well, I think probably some of the Kansas uh, faithful will point to the um, number of conference regular season titles he won in a row in the Big 12 and then the, the national championship. But I think to your point, you feel like there have been too many uh, early tournament exits, like times when they'll get to the tournament as a number one or number two seed and fall flat on their face in the first or second round with a big upset. And so I think to me, there have been too many occasions where that has happened, where I probably would not have given him a lifetime contract. Like I would want him to feel more of a sense of urgency and not feel like he's just set for life like a like a career politician. No, that's what I think too. And and Joe, I think one of the biggest things for Kansas is whether they can hold on to Oche Agabaji, who was their leading scorer last year. Uh, he's a guy that's projected as a second round pick. So maybe you could hold on to him if you could get that promise out there, that carrot on the stick, that I can make you a first rounder next year. So that right. could be a difference between them being a top ten team or being you know fifteen to twenty range. Right. Uh, Joe, the next one they have, I don't agree with this one at all uh, because I watched them play against Alabama in the, SC, in the NCAA tournament, and they got absolutely blitzed by them. You got Maryland at 12. Uh, Joe, that's hard for me to say that's anything, but this bias that we have, that we're supposed to think the Big Ten is the best thing since sliced bread. I have no idea why Maryland is listed at 12 right here. Yeah, I mean, ever since you know, Gary Williams retired, I feel like Maryland program has just been kind of trying to find its identity. They've been searching for that next big uh, coach, and 
Mark Turgeon has been there for several years. He's gotten to the, them to the tournament pretty much every year, but you just don't see a whole lot of the it factor from this team. And yeah, I mean, watching them against Alabama, there was really not a player that stood out to you. Like, I really can't remember the name of a player on that roster. And I think that when you have that kind of takeaway from watching a team, how do you put them in the top 15? Joe, there was one player that I can remember that played for Maryland, and the only reason I can is because he was an Alabama transfer, and it was kind of a cool story. Jalen Smith playing for uh, for Maryland. He wasn't even a starter, though. I think he was, like, their seventh or eighth guy, and he was a guy that was back up at Alabama, too, and that's why he transferred. But, yeah, there's not, not an exciting team. That's kind of a program that I agree has gone kind of stale. I mean, they were one of the top five programs year in, year out with Gary Williams, and now they're just an afterthought. And, you know, in the Big Ten, they were in the ACC, you know. Um, Joe, at number 13, this is one that I kind of almost think that, that this is a little low for them. Uh, and I think a lot of it hinges on whether you get Colin Gillespie back for a fifth year, and that's Villanova. Uh, Villanova is, uh, you know, it's always feast or famine with Jay Wright. But you kind of felt like at the end of the year last year, they started playing some better basketball, even without Colin Gillespie. And I kind of think that they've kind of been dormant a little bit by Jay Wright standards. And I feel like if they can get him to come back, maybe this is the year you could see Villanova's top 10 team. Yeah, I'm fine with the ranking. I think they have the potential to make it to the top 10 as the season progresses next year. But I'm fine with it when you look back at Villanova winning two out of the last, what, five or six national championships. I'm fine with giving them that that respect. Joe, this next one I think is a team that if they can get their best player to return is a very low ranking for them. And I understand that they had a uh, early eggs in the tournament, quite a surprising one. Uh, and that's Illinois. I mean, if they can get Kofi Cockburn to come back, that's a top five team to me. I mean, I thought they were the second best team in America last year. And, of course, Sister Jean proved me wrong on that and what was a great win that uh, Illinois Chicago had over them or Loyola Chicago had over them. But I still think this Illinois team is, is great and has a lot of talent. If they can get Cockburn back, then I think they're a top five level team. Yeah, I mean, they'll also have to um... – replace Dosunmu, who declared for the draft yesterday, I believe. But Brad Underwood has definitely got that program back on track. They're the be- in the best place that they've been since the mid-2000s, back when Darren Williams and company were at Illinois under uh, Bruce Weber. So, I mean, I think they'll definitely be a factor um, year in and year out in the Big Ten. Uh, Joe, this next one is, in my mind, completely biased and just based off of history and not looking at, you know, what you have right now. And that's Kentucky. I, I, I can't put Kentucky in the top 16. I understand they're getting all these five-star guys. But after what was truly an atrocious year last year, you cannot justify to me having Kentucky in the top 25 at all. I don't like it either. I mean, I talked about Duke being uh, ranked in the preseason poll or the way-too-early poll. I, I think the same can be said for Kentucky. And what's troubled me uh, kind of as a growing trend for Kentucky recruiting is when you look at their recruiting rankings, a lot of times they're getting four and five-star guys, but they're no longer getting the ones, Dan, that were at the top of the list, the top Mm -hmm. of the charts. Like those guys are going to the Gonzagas and uh, the other programs out there, and they're not choosing uh, Kentucky. And because Kentucky's been historically so reliant under Calipari, of those freshmen, when you're getting – just not quite the cream of the crop freshman, 
it makes a significant difference, and you notice it with the win-loss record. Right, Joe. And, you know, kind of going through the rest of these, uh, you got UConn at 16, Arkansas at 17, Michigan State at 18. That's a surprisingly low place to see Sparty at. Uh, Oregon at 19, Tennessee at 20, and then uh, West Virginia at 21. St. Bonaventure at 22, that's a surprising one all the way up there. Uh, LSU at 23, uh, Drake at 24, also an interesting mid-major to come up there, and then Xavier at 25. Uh, Joe, looking at this, are you surprised at where Arkansas is listed at? I would have thought Arkansas would be ranked higher than that. Especially when you have, you know, teams like St. Bonaventure on the list. I mean, yeah, you think that Arkansas would be higher up there. Um, I would probably have him, obviously, over Kentucky. I'm, I'm really baffled by that. I mean, Eric Musselman's doing a good job with the Razorbacks. I mean, you could argue that outside of Villanova, they gave Baylor their toughest test in the NCAA tournament and had a chance down the stretch in that game and were very competitive. And then Drake being at 24. I mean, Drake and St. Bonaventure being on this list is just crazy to me. It's also ironic that you have St. Bonaventure one ranking ahead of LSU on the list, and yet LSU beat them in the tournament. Yeah, that's true. Um, but LSU, you know, you never know. It's always uh, where the NCAA cloud goes away or if it finally descends on them. Um, that being said, we're going to come in, we're going to talk about some interesting political things, uh, just like the fact that Will Wade is still a coach in the next episode and we'll do a locker room talk and uh catch us uh every wednesday night 8 p.m on facebook live also you can listen to all of our episodes on spotify look up the dan and joe sports show and as always i'm dan and i'm joe